Father, we thank you so much, and we have come today to decree and declare that you are good. And we trust in you wholeheartedly, with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, because you have revealed yourself to us. And you continue to reveal yourself to us by your word and through your spirit. And that is why we have gathered today in your name, God, to be made a little more like you. To have our capacity increased, that we may receive more of you. That we may know and understand the secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom that you are about to reveal to us today. So we pray and ask, God, as you plant it in our hearts, may it take root, may it take residence in us, that it may produce fruit in our lives for our good and your glory. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. Amen. And give the Lord a hand one more time, if you will, please, for his presence. Amen. Well, there will eventually be in our nation the changing of the guard as it were, okay? Eventually, the changing of the guard will come, whether it's in 2020 this year or in 2024, there will eventually be the changing of the guard, okay? Now, don't worry, I'm not here to talk about election yet, okay? <laughs> we're not there yet, we'll, we'll get there, <laughs> but that's not this message here. What we're going to talk about today is what leads up to the election, okay? What you have leading up to it in the election is a camp, a campaign, and once you get new leadership, you will have a new cabinet, okay? With any election, with any changing of the guard, you will have those three things. You will have a camp, you will have a campaign, and then once that leader is installed, you will have a new cabinet or administration, with new leadership comes the staffing of that leadership or that particular administration. Now, you may have ran into this or experienced this in your personal life, maybe on your job or the company that you work for. Maybe they were bought out by somebody and you were now under new management. And you had a new boss or a new CEO and maybe you were worried because they were going to begin to let people go and bring other people in. Why? Because they have that prerogative. They have that power and that authority to do so. I remember when I was coaching at King, I almost experienced this myself. Right around the time that I was contemplating leaving the school district and pursuing ministry full time, my head coach, he was also resigning or retiring. And because my head coach was retiring, that means that a new head coach was coming in. And all the coaching staff, they were worried because they didn't know if they were going to have a job or not. <laughs> because this new coach that was coming in, he was going to also bring in his own staff. So he has a, a defensive coordinator already in mind, an offensive coordinator, a running backs coach already in mind. And so everybody is uh, threatened with their job because they know with new leadership, comes the staffing of that administration, okay? Now, this is nothing new. This is absolutely nothing new. Not only do we find this, these three things, uh, camp, a campaign, and a cabinet, uh, in business, in politics, in kings, and in kingdoms, but we even see this happening from the beginning, from the very beginning of time, or even before there was time, we see this happening. Before we get into our text, Ezekiel 28. In Ezekiel 28, God describes the fall of Lucifer. 
He's going to describe the fall of Lucifer. Remember, Lucifer rebelled against God because he wanted to be God. <laughs> and in a couple of scriptures, of passages in the Bible, we give the description of that rebellion. We're given the description of that fall. Well, in Ezekiel 28, 16, notice what God says about Lucifer's decision. He says in verse 16 of Ezekiel 28, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. The Bible says that the day came or the moment came when Lucifer decided to rebel against God because he wanted to be God. And he sinned with the abundance of his trading. What does the Bible mean by trading? Well, to trade is to campaign. To trade is to bargain. To trade is to give something and perhaps or for the promise of getting something in return. This is what our uh, candidates are doing right now. They are trading. They are campaigning. What they are doing is they are promising what they are going to give in hopes of what they can get from us, which is what? Our vote. <laughs> so they have a camp, whether it's the Bernie camp, the Biden camp, the Trump camp, they have a camp. Their camps are campaigning or trading to get from you in promises of what they're going to give to you. That is what Lucifer did. And how do we know Lucifer did this? Well, because the Bible says after Lucifer decided to rebel against God, he managed to convince a third of God's own angels to follow him. <laughs> he went on a campaign. His camp went on a campaign and began an abundance of trading to try to persuade, to try to convince a third of God's own angels to leave God, forsake God, and follow him. And that's exactly what he did. He did it again in a garden with Adam and Eve, and he continues to do it to this day throughout the world. His camp continues to campaign for all people to leave the camp of God and to follow him. But during the 70th week of Daniel, and if you haven't been with us, we're talking about the book of Daniel and the end of days. We're talking about the book of Daniel and end time prophecy. And we're focusing right now on that 70th week of Daniel, the last seven year period before Jesus Christ comes back to this world to reign and to rule as the king that he is. That is the week, that is the time period that we're talking about. And it is in this 70th week of Daniel, during this time, what Satan has been doing behind the scenes, he will now do in the open. <laughs> now make no mistake about it, Satan's camp, is campaigning all the time. <laughs> he is always recruiting. He's always trying to hold on to who he has. So this is a war. And that's like I was explaining this weekend to a group. The purpose of a war is to gain ground and to take territory. That is what a war does. That's what a war is. Well, Satan, in the same way, he is trying to gain ground and take territory. So up until this point and even beyond, Satan's camp is campaigning. But you can't see it. It's not obvious, okay? Well, it's obvious to us who have our eyes open. We can see it, but the rest of the world cannot see it. 
But what he is doing behind the scenes in the 70th week of Daniel, he does all out in the open. This camp will begin to campaign all out in the open. So the enemy of God will fill his cabinet and then campaign for his camp in that order. The enemy of God, Satan, he is first going to fill his cabinet and then he is going to campaign for his camp and it will all be out in the open. So this next installment of our series, The Sealed Revealed, this is part five. We are simply calling the enemy's camp. The enemy's camp. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Daniel chapter seven. Daniel chapter seven. I know we've already gone through Daniel chapter seven, but now that we're going through the events of this 70th week of Daniel, we need to go back to chapter seven for a moment. Now, if you were here last week, you now know that the rapture has happened. <laughs> The rapture has taken place. Jesus Christ has come with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ has risen first. Now we who were alive and remain have now been caught up to meet the Lord in the air and forever we will be with the Lord. That has now happened. That has now taken place, which means now it gives opportunity for the Antichrist to be revealed. Now that the Spirit of God, which was in his people in the church, has been removed and taken out of the way, now the Antichrist can come on scene. Now the Antichrist can be revealed. But the question is, how will he be revealed? How will he rise to prominence and power? Well, that's why we got to go back to chapter 7. In chapter 7, starting in verse 7, this is the dream or the vision that Daniel gets about the end times. And he says this, after this, I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast. Dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring and breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. This is describing none other than who we refer to as the Antichrist or the beast or the, or the man of sin or perdition. This is whom the, Daniel is describing here with this vision. We know the fourth beast was Rome. Rome was the, fo the fourth and last world power to rule all of the known world at that time. But from Rome, the Bible says, from this vision, you're going to have a 10-person power rule all the world, okay? There's going to be a coalition of nations or a coalition of kings, as it were, that is going to rule all the world, and they're going to come from Rome. So think of the EU, the European Union. 
or think of the United Nations or think of G8 or think of G20 where you have the most powerful countries and nations in all of this world coming together for the good of the world. It is a coalition of countries that will come together for the good of the world. See, right now you have a lot of um, uh, patriotism, right, and nationalism, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with loving your country. Nothing wrong with wanting the best for your country. Nothing wrong with wanting to put your country first. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there is a way or, or things that happen in this life that will somehow bring these countries together because this same thing will affect everybody. Again, think of the coronavirus. You can be as patriotic and as a nationalist as you want, but when something is affecting the world, (laughs) when something is affecting everybody, then everybody will be willing to come together to solve it. Now, can you imagine millions of people disappearing like that? (laughs) Millions of people uh, gone without a trace. That is something that will bring this world together. No matter where you are from, th- from this world, that will have the tendency to bring people together because it's worldwide. So what the Bible is saying is from Rome, or and, and the destruction of Rome is modern-day Europe, so from this uh, uh, area, these ten horns are going to pop up. The horns represent kings. And so you're going to have a coalition of kings or a coalition of countries. And the Bible says from among these 10, one is going to pop out out of nowhere. (laughs) One king is going to rise to power. He's going to come from obscurity. He's going to come out of nowhere. And then he is going to subdue three of the 10 kings. Take them out by the root. Okay, it's kind of like... Gangster movies, you've seen these gangster movies where somebody who's a nobody, he kills the leader of the gang, and guess what? He now becomes leader, right? (laughs) He takes out the leader, and now he becomes leader. Well, the Bible says that's how the Antichrist will rise to power. He's going to come out, he's going to take out three kings, he's going to say, guess what? I'm the captain now, okay? (laughs) I'm the captain now, okay? And all seven, they're going to get in line and say, yes, sir. And he is going to rise to prominence. He's going to rise to power. And he is going to become the leader of all the world, the Bible says. Now, what good, though, is a leader that has no followers? What good is a leader that has no one following him? The reason why he is going to rise to power, the reason why he's going to come to be the ruler of all the world is because he's going to get the whole world to follow him. So how is he going to do that? Well, he is going to need help to do that. He's going to need help and he is going to get help Okay, from two sources. The first is from Satan himself. Okay. The Bible says that the Antichrist is going to come in the power of Satan. He's going to come in the power and with all lying wonders and signs of his father, Satan himself. This is Satan in the flesh. Okay, So that's the first place he is going to get this help to get all of the world to follow him. But there's another place, there's another source he's going to get this help from. Not only will it be from Satan, but it will also be from another beast. 
There is another beast that is going to be involved with the end of days or end times. And this second beast is called the false prophet. The false prophet. He is found in Revelation 13. So turn with me if you have your Bibles open. Revelation 13. You know, you can't talk about the book of Daniel without going to Revelation. Because Daniel is the revelation of the Old Testament. Okay, (laughs) So we're going to cross-reference this in the book of Revelation. We don't have time to go through all of Revelation. You have to wait till we get to that book. (laughs) But we're going to look at bits and pieces of Revelation as we go through this journey. In Revelation 13, starting in verse 11, we are introduced to a second beast. The first beast we know is the Antichrist. But this this particular passage is going to introduce us to another beast, the second beast. And he says in verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Now that's interesting. This second beast is described as a lamb and a dragon. One describes what Jesus is described as, a lamb that was slain. The other describes what Satan is described as, a dragon. So this particular second beast is coming in the same way of his father, the devil, and that is through deception. He may look like a lamb, but he's actually a dragon, just like the Antichrist. He may look beautiful on the outside, but inside he's a beast. This second beast is the exact same way. He may appear to be a lamb, but he speaks like the dragon, Satan. The Bible says, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast. The first beast is the Antichrist in his presence. And watch this. And this second beast, he causes the earth and those who dwell in it To worship the first beast. (laughs) So the main job, the main purpose of this second beast coming on scene is to get everybody or cause everybody to worship the first beast. Whose deadly wound was healed. Okay, getting into that just a little bit. Okay, the first beast uh, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, this is one of the things you have to know about Satan. Okay. Satan is the great imitator, okay? (laughs) Satan is the great imitator, okay? He is not creator, he is created, okay? Sometimes we like to put Satan on the same plane and platform as God. Wrong, okay? Satan doesn't come close to God. Not on his best day does he come close to God. He is not equal with God. He is not the opposite of God. On his best day, he can't be anywhere compared to God. But what he does is he tries to be. (laughs) He wants to be God, therefore he tries to be God. He doesn't know how to be God because he's not God. So all he can do then is imitate God. He imitates. He he takes the things of God and he perverts them. He takes the things of God and he twists them. And that's what he does here. He's the great imitator. God comes in the flesh to this earth through Jesus Christ. So what does Satan do? Satan sends his son to this earth through the Antichrist. (laughs) Christ is raised from the dead. 
One of the reasons why we are Christians, why we are believers, because there is an empty tomb. (laughs) What we are about to celebrate next month is the foundation of Christianity, that there is an empty tomb because we believe Jesus died, but he rose again. He got up out of the grave. We believe that. And because the grave is empty, because he is risen again, you have millions of believers, millions of Christians following Jesus Christ because he got up out of the grave. Well, guess what? Satan is going to imitate the very same thing. And for the very same reason. The Bible says this second beast is going to cause all the world to worship the first beast who recovered from a deadly or mortal wound. Now, the Bible isn't clear about what that is, but can I give you my uh, my idea <laughs> of what that may be? I believe that there are going to be people in this world and maybe even some here today who would have heard the gospel message, who would have heard the end time prophecy, who would have heard all of these teachings and preachings on what was, what is and what is to come but didn't believe it. (laughs) Oh, you were in church every Sunday. You had Bible in hand. You quoted all the scriptures. You came to the altar. You did all that, but you know in your heart of hearts, you never truly believed. You never trusted in what you now know. And because of that, when the rapture of the church takes uh, takes place and you find out and discover you've been left here, You're going to remember all of these messages. You're going to remember all of these sermons. Oh, oh, yeah, there are the ten nations. (laughs) That's the ten uh, king coalition. Oh, yeah, there's a little one rising up. That must be the Antichrist. And you're going to have all the people who heard these messages who didn't believe it, but they're now going to see it unfold before their very eyes. And there's going to be somebody who thinks they're doing God a favor by taking out the beast. By taking out the Antichrist, by assassinating, if I can just assassinate and kill this Antichrist, maybe God will forgive me. Maybe God will find favor with me if I do that. So I believe somebody is going to try to assassinate the beast. Somebody is going to try to assassinate the Antichrist. And when they do, and and he is shot dead, he is going to be able to get up from the dead. And just like we believe in Jesus Christ because he got up from the dead, all the world is going to believe in the Antichrist because he's going to do the very same thing. This is what I believe may take place. But we all see in here another imitation. There's another imitation that we see that Satan is doing here. And let me explain it to you. We know that God is three in one, right? God is three in one. He consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is three in one. And we call that the Holy Trinity of God. (laughs) The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. (laughs) And now the Spirit's job is to bear witness of the Son. To cause all of creation to worship the Son. That is what we see in the Holy Trinity of God. Well, again, Satan, that great imitator, is going to do the very same thing. (laughs) Satan does the same thing. What he has is the unholy trinity. 
He has the unholy trinity where he is father because that's what he wants to be. That's what he's trying to be. So he is going to assume the role as father. As a matter of fact, he's already assumed that role. If you remember when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and they were saying, look, we only have one father, Abraham. He says, no, if Abraham were your father, you would do what Abraham did. (laughs) You're trying to kill me. Abraham didn't do that. (laughs) He says, no, you are actually of your father who? The devil. You are of your father, Satan. So Satan has already assumed this role as being father. And Satan, as being father, is going to send forth his son, the Antichrist. (laughs) The Antichrist is Satan in the flesh. The Antichrist comes in the power of his father, the devil. But not only do you have the father, Satan, the son, the Antichrist, but you even have the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The false prophet. The false prophet whose job it is to do the very same thing. As we just finished reading, his job is to cause all the world to worship the first beast, to worship the son. Satan is that great imitator. (laughs) The imitation continues here. We know the Holy Spirit causes all to worship Christ. The false prophet will cause all to worship the Antichrist. Christ used signs and wonders and miracle for people to believe. The Antichrist is going to use lying signs and wonders for the people to be deceived. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) So it is by the power of Satan, the presence of the Antichrist, and the persuading of the false prophet that this new cabinet will rule all the world. When the Antichrist comes on scene, he's he's the captain now. (laughs) He's in charge now. He is going to fill his cabinet. And you're going to have this unholy trinity consisting of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And by these three, by this unholy trinity or this unholy cabinet, by the power of Satan, the presence of the Antichrist, and the persuasion of the false prophet, they are going to rule everything and everybody. Now, your question might be, who or what then is the false prophet? Who or what then is the false prophet? We know who Satan is. <laughs> And now we know who the Antichrist will be. But the question is, who is the false prophet? Some say it's not a who, it's a what. Some will say it's actually a system. And I really wouldn't disagree with that, only I would go further to say, no, it is actually a person as well. How do we know that the false prophet is actually a person as well? Well, because if you go back to Revelation, when you read there, uh, when Jesus Christ comes back and the saints of God come with him, that he may establish his millennial kingdom and millennial reign, the Bible says angels take the beast and the false prophet and throw them into the lake of fire alive. Okay? So he's not going to just throw a system. (laughs) He's going to throw a person. (laughs) So, yes, 
the false prophet may be a system, but it is also a person because of that reason. And so because he is known as the false prophet, that denotes some things, okay? And one of the things it denotes is religion or spirituality, right? Because that's what a prophet is, okay? A prophet deals with religion. A prophet deals with the spiritual realm or spiritual world. So because he is called the false prophet, we know we are dealing with something that is of of the religious base or something spiritual. So he will be ran or this institution or this system will be ran by a ruler. Okay. What you have to remember is this. Just because the rapture of the church has taken place, just because millions of Christians have been removed from this world, doesn't mean religion will stop. (laughs) Does not mean worship will end. Does not mean that people won't continue to be even spiritual. Why? Because you have that going on right now. (laughs) And they're not Christians. (laughs) They're not saved. They don't know God from Adam, okay? But yeah, you still have worship going on by them. You still have religion being practiced by them. You still have spirituality being conducted by them. So just because the church has been removed does not mean that there's no more religion on earth. Nah. As a matter of fact, people even get more religious then. People even get more spiritual then after the rapture of the church. You will hear people talking about this all the time. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual, okay? Don't confine me. Don't label me. No, I'm spiritual. I'm just one with the spirit of, of the universe and with Mother Nature and with all kinds. People are already doing that. <laughs> that is not going anywhere just because the church has been removed. <laughs> they all talk about, you know, a higher power or a supreme being or the man upstairs or, well, my God will, is like this. They're already talking like that. That is not going anywhere simply because the church has been removed. It is what the Bible says is a form of godliness, yet they deny the power thereof. Everybody wants to be spiritual because we are spirit. God created us spirit. We live in a body. We possess or maintain a soul. So everybody wants to connect spiritually because we are spiritual. So we've been born to worship. We've been created to worship. God placed worship in our DNA. But who you worship, he lets that up to you. He leaves it up to you. (laughs) So people have been worshiping since the beginning of time. And that will not end simply because the church has been removed. People will continue to want to worship, will desire to worship, will desire to be religious, will desire to be spiritual. And that will continue. Okay? So the false prophet denotes religion or spirituality. So here it is. (laughs) Can you think of a worldwide religion? Can you think of a worldwide religion? Well, this religion is everywhere. That began in Rome. (laughs) Remember, the beast is coming from Rome. (laughs) Can you think of a worldwide religion that began in Rome 
that is ruled by one ruler. <laughs> that has one man, one ruler ruling over it whose word is gospel. <laughs> Who what he says goes. No matter what the Bible says, <laughs> no matter what scripture has to say about no, what he says goes. Can you think of it which even trumps the word of God? Can we think of any religion that is like that? It is none other than the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I want to be careful before we continue with this. I am not talking about a people. So I'm not talking about your, your auntie and your grandma and, and your uncle. And I'm not talking about people. Okay? I am talking about a system. Okay? I'm talking about a system. And many people believe, many theologians believe, if the Roman Catholic Church is not the first beast, if it's not the Antichrist, then it certainly may be the second, the false prophet. The one who comes as lamb, but is really speaking for the dragon. God gives us glimpses of this already. This is a religion that deifies a man. Now, they're not the only religion that does it. There are a lot of Protestant churches that do the same with pastors, but this most definitely is one of them. <laughs> they will deify, amen. Let the Pope come down Ocean Drive right now. It'll look like Palm Sunday, will it not? <laughs> they will deify, amen. They will use signs and wonders to declare sainthood. You got to have some type of sign, some type of wonder, some type of miracle in order to be a saint. The world is already conditioned for this. Already. The Antichrist ain't going to have to do much, okay? It's just going to be a smooth transition into his reign because the world has already been conditioned to receive the beast, number one, and also beast number two because they've already received him. It is false religion. It is the system, not the people. I'm not talking about the people. I am talking about the system. You see, in order to rule the world, you have to be able to rule certain spheres in our world. Okay? In order to rule all the world, you got to rule certain spheres of this world. So you got to rule these three because these three have the biggest influence over everybody. You got to be able to rule the political world that is with leadership, that's with authority, that's with power, that's with all that comes with it. You have to be able to rule the political world. You have to rule the financial world <laughs> because money is what influences all of us. You can't do anything without it. And then you have to rule the spiritual world. Those are the three biggest or greatest influences over all the world. Political financial and spiritual. So if the person who comes to power wants to rule all the world, they don't have to rule everybody. They just got to rule these three. <laughs> That's all they got to do. If they just rule these three, the political world, the, the financial world, the spiritual world, they control everybody. And that is exactly what this unholy trinity is going to do. No, there will still be religion. There will still be worship. There will still be spirituality. This unholy trinity is going to use religion. 
until there's no more use for religion, then he's going to do away with religion altogether. And that is what you find in Revelation. Okay? False religion is that harlot riding the beast. Okay? <laughs> False religion is that harlot riding the beast. He's going to use that harlot. He's going to use religion to get what he wants. And then when there's no more use for religion, he's going to do away with religion altogether. And that is exactly what is going to take place. So this is the order of end times so far. Okay, if you're taking notes or if you're following along with us, you're going through our program, our agenda. The first thing you have to start all this off is the rapture of the righteous. The rapture of the righteous, the rapture of the church, the saints of God, that Jesus Christ is going to come and call out of this place, we believe, or many believe, before the 70th week of Daniel begins. After the rapture of the church, you're going to have the coalition of kings. You're going to have the coalition of kings. You're going to have uh, world leaders from all over the world coming together for the good of the world. And then from the coalition of ten kings, you're going to have the reveal, the rise, and the rule of the Antichrist. And from his rising, reigning, and ruling, he's going to establish his cabinet, the unholy trinity that consists of his father, Satan, himself, the Antichrist, and who is imitating the Holy Spirit, the false prophet. And by that, by the controlling of the political, financial, and spiritual systems of this world, they're going to rule the world. Okay? And those three we're going to talk about next time. Okay, So you want to make sure you're here for it. I don't know if you've ever seen um, you know, shepherds herding sheep or any farmers or ranchers herding any type of livestock, but I was interested to see how that's done because you can have hundreds of sheep. You know? maybe even thousands of sheep in an open field. And he's like, how can this one person, this one man, herd thousands of these sheep? Well, it's simple. He goes to the pen that controls them. He goes to the pen that controls them, and he simply opens up the gate. Okay? So you have this little opening to the gate or to the pen where they're controlled. And now all he has to do is work them toward that opening. (laughs) That's all all you got to do, okay? And as he works a few toward that opening, they will simply just follow each other and they will begin to go into that opening, into that gate, into that pen, and that's how this one man can control all of those sheep by controlling what controls them. And in the same way, that is what the Antichrist is going to do. You may be thinking, how can one man control eight billion people? How can one single man manage to control all the world, seven, eight billion people? How is that going to happen? Simply by controlling what controls them. That's how. By simply controlling what controls them. And like I said, we're already conditioned for this because think of all the things we're already dependent on. All the things we're connected to. Let your internet go down tonight and see how you act, okay? <laughs> you, you lose your mind. <laughs> I mean, let, let Facebook be off. Let, let Twitter be off offline for a while. People go crazy without even being on, able to go to social media. All he will have to do is control what controls us already. 
That's all he's going to have to do. And so this is something, as we said, you don't want to be here for. But if you are here, if you are here, then you need to know what to expect. So my challenge to you and God's challenge to all of us is, number one, this. We heed the warning of God. We heed the warning of God, and this is what God said. He said, do not love this world, nor the things of this world. Do not love this world, nor the things in this world. Do not, why does God not want us to love this life? Why does God not want us to love, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy this life. That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's not what God's saying. He's saying, don't be so attached to this world. <laughs> don't be so connected to this life and the things of this world because if you're here, you may end up forsaking me to follow this world. And that's what you see happening. That's what you see going on. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about this one world currency. We're going to talk about all the things people are going to do just so they can continue in this world. And you may just be one of them if you are so in love with this world. If you love this world that much, if you love the things of this world so much, you may just be one of them to take your hands off the plow and receive the mark, receive uh, worshiping the beast, just so you can continue to have and keep the things of this world. So God simply says to us now, while we still can, do not love this world, nor the things of this world, so that you won't be controlled by the world. Amen? Give the Lord a hand for his word today, if you will. So I'm letting you out a little early today, making up for the last few, few Sundays here. But go ahead and stand, if you will, please. As we close in prayer, as we close to give you the benediction, we also want to close in giving you an opportunity to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. As I said, I don't believe that we will be here for this 70th week of Daniel. I don't believe we will be here to see all this. Now, I may be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm sure I'll be wrong again. <laughs> so it's possible I may be wrong on this. <laughs> That's why we are taking the time to go through all of this just in case. But I don't believe we will be here. But the reality of it, you really don't even have to wait for the 70th week of Daniel. Why? Because his spirit is already here. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. His workers are already at work. You see a lot of what's going to happen then happening now. You see it going on right now already. So we don't have to wait till then to put these things into practice or to apply these things. God wants us to apply and practice these things right here and right now. And right now, there are only two camps. There are just two camps. There's no option C, okay? There's no third option. There are only two sides, two camps, and two campaigns that you can join. You've given you this joke before, but all the people were in the field. There was a fence beside them. God comes and says, all right, anybody who's on my side, you get on this side of the fence. Anybody is for Satan, you get on the other side of the fence. Everybody began to make their decision and go which side they wanted to get on. Some people said, I don't want God. You know, he, he messes up my life. I want to be able to do my own thing. So let me go to Satan's side. Others said, no, I, I love God. I want to worship God. I want to be with God. Let me get on God's side. 
But then you had people who really didn't pick a side. They got on the fence. <laughs> they, they sat on the fence. And when God says, all right, time to go. So God takes all of his, who's on his side, goes with him. Satan says, all right, guys, time to go. So everybody on his side, he takes them with him. But then he turns around. Satan turns around. He goes back to the fence. He says, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know. Y'all all heard me. I said it's time to go. The ones on the fence, they said, oh, wait a minute. We didn't choose you. <laughs> I mean, we didn't choose God, but we didn't choose you either. We chose this fence. Well, Satan said, well, I don't know if they, anybody told you that, but I own the fence as well. It's time to go. <laughs> the fence is mine as well. <laughs> There are no three options. <laughs> There's no third option, okay? Either you're in God's camp or you're in the enemy's camp. That's it. <laughs> there are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. And then there's the kingdom of darkness. And God simply tells you to choose. Choose. So if you've come to believe church and you have been chosen, Guess what? Yes, you have. <laughs> Guess what? Everybody is making the decision today. Did you know that? Every time we close our service, I, I ask you to raise your hand if you want to make a decision for Christ. But in reality, everybody here is making the decision today. Whether you acknowledge that decision or not, you are making a decision today. Because you are going to do something with what you have just heard. And either you're going to receive it, you're going to believe it, you're going to receive Jesus Christ, you're going to cry out to him, you're going to say, save me, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness, fill me with your spirit, give me a new heart, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Either you're going to say that, or you're going to say, no, nah, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. That's not for this time in my life. I'm having too much fun in the world. I'm having too much fun pursuing the things of this life in this world. That's not for me. Either way, everybody in here is making a decision. You're making a decision. We're simply giving you an opportunity to manifest that decision for Christ today. And if you have never done that, if you're doing that for the very first time, it will be our honor to pray with you, to pray for you, and to rejoice with all of heaven over this decision that you have now made for Christ. So let me ask again, is there anybody here that I've just described, you've never made the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ, but you are making that decision right here, right now, you want to acknowledge that. Is there anybody here like that? Let's pray after. Let's pray after, okay? Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Well, then we've done our job, okay? <laughs> As we have said time and time again, we cannot, we can only lead you to the water. We can't make you drink. And if we can force it on you, it wouldn't be real. It must come from your heart. It must be genuine, okay? What the Antichrist is going to do, he's going to force people to worship him. The Christ never forces anybody to worship him. He gives you free will and he gives you the opportunity to worship him. So our job has been done and we pray that you have been blessed by it. So receive the blessing or the benediction of this time. And then we're going to open up the altar again. If you need prayer, for whatever reason, we'll stay up here for a little while and be more than happy to pray with you and for you.
Our benediction comes from John 10, 4. John 10, 4. This is what Jesus said about his disciples. He said, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. You know, it's going to be real tempting at that time to follow the voice of a stranger. It's going to be real tempting. You're going to want to keep your life. You want to have life like you've always had and always lived it. But God says, my true sheep, <laughs> my true sheep will only follow the true shepherd. And you're going to see this phony. If we're here, you're going to see this phony for who he really is. And you're going to go the opposite direction if you are a true sheep of the true shepherd. That is my heart. That is my prayer for all of us here. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven receive the blessing and benediction. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place and what you have done in revealing the truth of your word of what was, what is, and what is about to come. And you have done that to validate who you are, but also to prepare us, God, so that we may be kept from this hour which is to come that you may keep us all from this hour, which is to try and test the world, that you may keep us from your wrath, God, even though we may face the wrath of man while we live. So we thank you for this truth that we have heard, and we pray, God, that it will, it's been embedded deep in our hearts. It has taken up residency in us, and it may begin to bear fruit in our lives, not only for our sake, for the lost and dying world that you are now sending us into. So we pray, God, that we will continue to be used of you and by you to reach others for you. That where you are, we all may be also for the good of mankind and for your glory. So bless us this day and forevermore. We pray now in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.